Spotlight On is brought to you by Light, the technology platform reimagining e-commerce for live events. You can learn more about Light at light.com forward slash partnerships. That is L-Y-T-E dot com forward slash partnerships. Hello and welcome to Spotlight On. I'm your host, Lawrence Purrier. This week, the spotlight shines on Adelaide, Australia-based singer-songwriter Paige Court, who performs under the stage name Maine. Our talk was recorded during Maine's visit to Austin, Texas for the annual South by Southwest Music Festival, where she performed five sets over five days. Inspired by artists like Florence and the Machine and Kimbra, Maine writes muscular, mature pop music, best exemplified by her 2021 single High Low and her 2020 EP Coping Mechanisms. Have a listen to our talk and then to Maine on your music platform of choice. It's ferocious, this feeling Coexisting isn't healing Oh my God, you wouldn't believe the last 24 hours that I've had. <laughs> well, I hope you're saying that in a fun, exciting, positive way and not a stressed out, overwhelmed, burdened way. Oh, a little bit of both, to be honest. We had a bit of an incident. Uh, the motel was staying at court on fire last night. So we got evacuated and we're just trying to relocate to a new motel now currently. So, yes. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, we're okay. You didn't start the fire, did you? No, gosh, no. We, <laughs> you can tell me. <laughs> no, I think someone else intentionally did, though. It's, it was crazy. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Welcome to America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this uh is this your first visit or have you been here before? This is my third time in the US, but first time at South by Southwest. And you've been incredibly busy at South by, it looks like. Yes, yes. It's been go, go, go up until today, really. We've had we've we've only got one show today, which is the official showcase at midnight. So it's been, yeah, full on running around to shows and interviews and things like that, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, thank you for making time in a, in a hectic schedule. Of course. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure. So what have the shows been like? Like, what's your South by experience? You land, you're in Austin. What do you have to do? Yeah, so our very first show was the day we, we landed in Austin. We flew in from LA and had on about two hours sleep and went to our very first show at Hotel Indigo. And yeah, it's just been, it's been madness, but in the best kind of way, aside from uh, obviously the debacle last night at the motel. It's just been really busy. I've done some solo shows and my band from Australia is here as well. And we did our first band show yesterday at the Sounds Australia Showcase. And that was a lot of fun. It was always, it's always a good good one, the Sounds Australia one. Yeah, I was curious about what your live configuration is. When you play solo, what does that mean? Is that like what kind of setup are you are you you know, are you on an instrument? Do you what's your, like how does that work? What's what's the presentation when it's just you? 
when it's just me, it's just literally my voice and a guitar and just really stripping down the song, sort of almost back to their original form when I when I wrote them. So it's really nice to be able to translate pop music that is produced as as such and being able to to strip it right back and be a bit more vulnerable, I think, is probably the best way to describe it. So that's been uh, really fun doing that. Is that the genesis of your songs? Do you write on a guitar or do you write on a piano? How does that, how does your compositional process work? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything, but definitely when I first started writing music, it was just me and a guitar. And then slowly as I sort of found my feet in the music industry a little bit and meeting like-minded collaborators, I, I sometimes go into the studio and they might have a beat or a chord progression down that we can start writing melodies and lyrics to. But yeah, it's sort of a little bit of everything, but definitely for the most part, when I started writing, it was just me and guitar. So it is really nice to be able to perform in that environment as well. What was your first instrument? It was guitar. So I, I picked up my brother's old classical guitar that he had stopped learning to play and I taught myself uh, some songs that I saw on a YouTube tutorial and I wasn't really super brought up on a lot of music. I was actually well into being a swimmer at the time when I started to teach myself music because I stepped away. That was such a big part of my my life at that time and I stepped away from swimming and felt a little bit lost I guess and so I just yeah started teaching myself guitar and a little bit of piano a little bit of everything I wouldn't say I'm a master of of any of the instruments but definitely enough to support myself in writing and writing music and getting things I want to say out and in the material I've read about you, it says you're from Adelaide. Is that is that where you were born and raised? And I and I guess my second question is, when it says Adelaide, is it referring to sort of the city itself or the greater Adelaide area? Like, what was your childhood? Where Where are you from? Yeah, so I grew up two and a half hours north of Adelaide, actually, in a town called Port Pirie. And that was my childhood into my early teens and schooling. And then as I finished school, I I went to university in Adelaide, which is the closest city to Port Piri. And it's I've been there ever since and I've just been really enjoying making music. Yeah, and it's been wonderful. I've not visited the city, but my perception is that it sounds sort of idyllic, like a vibrant art scene, a lot of culture, sort of tolerant, open city. Are those perceptions as somebody on the other side of the world at all accurate? Absolutely. I think although it's not your Melbourne or your Sydney, it's a very beautiful city and there's lots of, of great creative things coming outside of it. And it's just quieter as well. It's not so it's not so hustle and bustle like the bigger cities are in Australia. It's just a little bit more relaxed, a little bit slower paced. And I think that actually makes it even nicer to, to make music and create things because it's just a bit more of a relaxed environment. How would you describe the scene there? Are you part of a, a scene of a lot of other artists? What kind of a musical community is there? 
There's definitely a lot of other musicians coming out of Adelaide that are doing really well in Australia at the moment. But it is it isn't as big and as eclectic maybe as the music scene in in the likes of Melbourne or Sydney. But Adelaide is I find very supportive of each other and wanting to see everyone do well. And so there's almost a sense of like community and family within the music industry there. The, the word that I've heard most associated with that city is, is livable. Like it's a, it's, it's sort of almost a cliche yeah. that it's, it's such a, I keep hearing it, Adelaide's a livable city or it's, it's a desirable place to live. What's that attributed to? I think it, it feels safe. It's quieter. It's more affordable, I guess, than some of the bigger cities. But with just, there is just as much opportunity there as any other city. I think there's a bit of a misconception from other states in Australia that there's nothing in Adelaide. Why are you going there? But it actually, you know, it hosts the Adelaide Fringe Festival, which is the second largest fringe in the world. And I think being livable could mean a lot of things. But for me, it's the fact that it's it's quieter, but it's still got so much opportunity and a buzzing creative scene. Yeah, and it's just a beautiful city. It's got a lot of old buildings that are have been, you know, kept from back from the 40s and, and looked after, and it's just a beautiful place to be. How does a, a, a an up-and-coming artist build their career, specifically in a city like Adelaide, but more generally in Australia? Sort of like, what what's the what are the rungs on the ladder? And is there a specific path that you would be following or like a path that's a well-tread one for for emerging artists there? Like what, what's the infrastructure for someone who's, who's building their career? I think it's just first and foremost, making good music and as a self-managed artist, you've got to be able to know the business sides of things as well. There's lots of great funding opportunities coming out of Australia. And because they want to see Australians do well. There's the opportunity to export out of Australia to come to somewhere like America and try and make a make a name for yourself. But I think you know, I guess the infrastructure of, of paving your own way in the music industry is by being as proactive as you can and and making the best music that you can and making sure you're always looking for the opportunities as well and making the most of them. Well, the the themes around the album, around coping mechanisms, seem like, to not say in any way that's patronizing, seems a very, it's a mature, they're a mature set of themes, right? Like that's not, it's not um, stay out all night and party and, <laughs> and go till dawn. And, no. um, and, and sort of, I had a set of questions I wanted to ask you around that, but it's, it, it strikes me that your background as an athlete and as a swimmer, I wonder if that does that inform you or, or can you talk about how that's informed you in terms of having a sense of well-being and a sense of wellness or more broadly, how as a young person did you come to have an awareness of that and to have a set of tools? Being a swimmer, definitely that sport requires so much discipline, so self-discipline. So I think that definitely like carried that, that trait carried on in whatever I did, whether it was schooling music that work ethic was always there and I I guess like in terms of well-being like that the whole EP coping mechanisms it's all about probably a point in my life 
where I was looking after myself the most and becoming like very self-aware of that. And I think that those songs come from that self-awareness, I guess. And obviously the things that I was going through or went through during that period of time. I'd like to stay on that, that thread for a moment because it does seem very just out of the ordinary as a, as a topic for a pop album and for pop music. Yeah. And you use the words that I think you said you weren't looking after yourself. Yes. What does looking after yourself look like? What are you doing right when you feel like you're looking after yourself? It's a bunch of things. It's like making sure you're getting your eight hours sleep. It's going to therapy when you need it. It's not drinking so much and or, or smoking <laughs> or these things I, I found at the time that I was like clutching onto that I never did before to to get just to get through like day by day and so realizing that I, I could just see that I was really not looking after myself and I was very mentally exhausted and I'd sort of cut myself a bit of slack at the time for maybe d- doing the things that weren't good for me because I was going through something tough but then it just got to that point where I was like now nah, it's time to pick yourself back up and and do the right things and look after yourself again and that's sort of sort of what it looks like I guess now is just being being aware of when maybe you're falling into some bad patterns and being proactive in being better for, you, for yourself and the people around you how do you reconcile some of those things which basically they're sort of lifestyle habits and practices. How do you stay proactive about that when you're, for example, jumping on airplanes and landing in multiple time zones away and running around between whatever it is, five, five sets in six days. And I would imagine it's very easy to eat poorly and to have a drink to unwind and to step outside and have a smoke just to have a moment to clear your head. Like those are all, those are all like shortcuts to relaxation or shortcuts to a sense of well-being, even if they're not the right way to do it. How do you reconcile those lifestyles with the sort of lifestyle demands you have? Yeah, I think, honestly, like I I sort of have this awareness of when I'm burning the candle at both ends. Sometimes I find actually having something like South by, like leading up to South by, I had to be really careful. One, I couldn't catch COVID because if I caught COVID, I couldn't get on the flight to, to America. I was running. I wanted to be fit for my performing because it requires a lot of vocal control and whatnot. So I was exercising a lot, eating healthy, leading up. But you're totally right in the sense of being the travel and and running around from gig to interview to gig. It is very hard to to make sure you're like giving yourself the nutrients you need. I had to buy apples today just to get some more nutrients into me. <laughs> but it it is hard. Like it definitely can be a bit tricky. But I've I've been actually taking it reasonably easy this week just because of of how many shows I've been doing. And so I've been going home early, whereas my bandmates have stayed out a little bit later. But I've just got to like self-preserve. <laughs> Otherwise I, I just don't run well on lack of sleep and energy nutrients. I get that. Yeah. You, you also said that you're self-managed. Is that right? Did I hear that right? Yes. Yeah. 
I was previously managed and we just sort of parted ways. My manager at the time went on to like start an indie label and that was sort of taking up more of their time. So I just took the reins back over. I'm obviously got a bit of support um, back in Australia from my record label at Due Process and they sort of help with things. But I guess I'm the main point of contact for for the project. Yeah, it just sort of come to be because I had to be. I had to be that for myself again. It's actually been really great for me, to be honest. I'm my best when I'm my busiest. So it's given me more things to focus on and to strive towards, I think. Do you like the business? It is hard sometimes, especially being the artist and advocating for yourself in that way. I find it a little bit tricky in emails. Like I wouldn't ideally love to have a manager, which is sort of part of the reason I come to South by was to hopefully find find one or start having chats with people. It's not like I would prefer not to be doing it, I guess, but it is good to learn the business side of it and know what, I guess, what you should expect from someone when you do finally have a manager. I think it's really important to to be aware of, of the business side of things as an artist so that you can look out for yourself. Which parts of the manager role will you be most happy to let go of? <laughs> the logistical <laughs> side of when... Your hotel catches on fire <laughs> and you don't have to worry about uh, finding a new place for yourself. Your manager can sort that out. No. You I, know what? That's a fair I answer. Guess, yeah. Like genuinely, probably that sort of stuff. It It is nice to have someone else sort of just be like, this is where you got to be, when you got to be there, or, oh, your flight got delayed, let's they can sort it out for you. That that stuff obviously is very nice to have and it's one less headache that you have and you can focus on being the artist rather than both. But, um, yeah, probably more the logistical side of it. <laughs> yeah. I would think that certainly my, my perception would be that there are two distinct temperaments, the artistic temperament and then whatever the compulsion is that leads somebody into management or talent representation, that they're very complementary temperaments and skill sets. And I wonder, do you find yourself good at it or is it just too much of a stretch for what you want to be good at? Like, how do, how do you how do you sort of compartmentalize it? I think I just write lots of to-do lists <laughs> and that helps me compartmentalize for the most part. I don't know if I'm good at it, but it's I'm doing the best I can. Like I think it would it would have been better to hustle with a manager through South by Southwest. But as I said, it's it's good to be learning the ropes again and, and knowing how to I guess advocate for yourself in a very, very busy industry. <laughs> Is Maine an alter ego, a character, a stage name, a band name. What is what does Maine mean for you? Maine was initially just my new stage name. I was releasing music under my actual name for a while, and then I sort of had a shift in genre, and so I I just wanted to release it under something else that was separate from Paige the person and Paige the artist, which is Maine. But I guess it does feel a little bit like an alter ego in a way when I'm performing. I feel most authentic when I'm on stage and I feel 
my most comfortable when I'm on stage. So it is almost like an alter ego and the cult, like, I just feel more confident there, which is, can be opposite for some people. But for me, it's that's where I feel m- mostly myself in, in this world is performing. I know that sounds very cliche, but I'm on it. Like I can sing about things I can't talk about. I can emote that in my performance. So, yeah, I would say it's it's a stage name and a bit of an alter ego or I guess my most ideal self. If I could do something for the rest of my life, Every day, it would be that on stage. Are there things, I hope this isn't too trite of a, of a line of questioning, but are there things that Maine can say or do or experience that Paige cannot? Yeah, totally. I guess I struggle to communicate verbally, talking to people that when things are hard, I, I tend to laugh it off or joke it off or play it down. It's not that bad. But it is. And so I think being able to write my truth in music and have this outlet that's cathartic and it's almost like therapy. <laughs> in a way, I feel like I can be more honest with myself in writing music than chatting to a good friend, I guess. At, at the risk of, again, of being uh, too trite, is the music on coping mechanisms, would it have been the same without the pandemic? Like what role did the pandemic play? From 10,000 feet away, it looks like it would be very obvious that you would be having these thoughts and feelings and these artistic reactions in the context of all that isolation. But then when I thought about it more critically, I realized it was a different experience for people in Australia because you, as a society, you handled it seemingly better, like it got back to normal faster. So I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. Well, it's funny you say that because I actually wrote and completed that entire EP before the pandemic began, before I knew it was going to exist. It was actually, it was very strange timing. I went through this thing I won't go into details about, but it was very isolating for me and really tough time. And then all of a sudden everyone was isolated and it just fit well with the the theme of the pandemic and just happened to be released in the pandemic. So I think people connected with it, maybe not with the intention it was written for, but in a different way because it had like relatable, I guess, emotions and themes throughout it about feeling isolated and alone. And I think that it was just sort of wild timing that that sort of happened at the same time as I wrote a whole EP about feeling that way. Us in Australia, we are pretty grateful for our experience with the pandemic. We had a lot of lockdowns, but, you know, it sucked, but we saved a lot of lives through doing that. And just as of Friday, back in my hometown of Adelaide, dancing was allowed for the first time since the start of the pandemic. So it was like I, I just saw so many posts from back home of people just celebrating being able to dance with each other again and that human connection that I felt we were all lacking come back into fruition was was really cool. But, yeah, I guess the theme of it just sort of coincidentally went hand in hand with what people were feeling throughout the pandemic. Have you had any experience of, well, let me ask it slightly differently, what's been your South by Southwest experience, not as a performer on stage, but as either as a music lover and fan 
or as a member of the artistic community? Like, have you been able to see music? Have you, have you interfaced with other musicians? What's been that part of the experience? It's been really cool. Like I've never attended a festival quite like South by Southwest and everyone kept sort of preparing me for that. I was like, it's madness, but in the best way. And then I got here and I was like, oh, I get it now. I know why you're saying that. Like last night I went and saw Kimbra in a church and Kimbra's my idol and it was the coolest thing in the world. Like I just couldn't believe it was so surreal to just be sitting in a church watching someone you look up to so, so much in your music right there, right in front of you and like, playing to not very many people so experiencing that as just a lover of music was just mind-blowing to me and was very very cool and me and my bandmates were kind of like tearing up halfway through it it was just we just couldn't believe it we're like we're here we're overseas for the first time in two years in a church watching Kimber perform amazing <laughs> like it is as as outside of all the stuff I've been doing as main just experiencing some of the things that I have throughout the festival has been really cool as and inspiring as a as an artist. So you're still a fan. You can still you can still be a music fan. Yeah, totally. I don't think I ever will stop being one. It's the universal language, I think. So what happens next? Where do you head after after South by? Do you go back to Australia? Are you here in the States for a minute? What what's next for you? We're in the States for an extra two weeks after South by we're going to do a little bit of R&R, a little bit of vacaying. And then I've got some uh, writing sessions back in LA for the last week, which I'm, I'm looking forward to. And then I'll hopefully be back with a whole new EP later this year and touring. I've just very fortunately been given a grant from Australian government to export and I'm going to use that to get a visa here and yeah, just really spend much more time over in the U.S. with new music coming out. So that'll be awesome, and I'm really looking forward to that. Well, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about that I saw in another conversation with you, and I thought it might be something fun to end with, which was, tell me about Bob Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bob Ross. Okay, so Bob Ross come into my life. <laughs> when things were tough and I couldn't sleep overnight because I was just so just stressed and overthinking and someone had told me to watch Bob Ross fall asleep to Bob Ross because I can't I couldn't fall asleep in silence but I didn't want to like have anything too overly engaging and so I just started binge watching Bob Ross every single night and it was the most calming thing to me I don't know what it was and it was it's just, I just really appreciate those videos, those old videos of him painting amazing landscapes and just watching that process. Sometimes it looks like he's ruining the whole thing and then it's amazing. Yeah, it just was really soothing to me, I guess. He's an incredible human being. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing what he's, what, the, way he, the way he just made art accessible to people. Yeah, I know friends of mine now are like, having Bob Ross nights at their house and getting all the paints and, and trying to like recreate his paintings and stuff like that. So I don't know, it's just so peaceful and yeah, he's just got such a calming monotone voice in those videos. It's just like, could keep listening to it and it's just, yeah, it's just peaceful. 
Well, before I let you go, I would love to know what's your sort of aspiration? Do you have a, a career vision? Is it conquer the world of music and start a fashion label? Is it have a few hits and then be able to have complete artistic freedom to go make crazy free jazz albums? Like, you know, what, when, you, when, you, <laughs> when you allow yourself to indulge in your vision of success, what does it look like? In a, in a perfect world, a song that I write that goes amazingly and I can tour and I can release and have success from even just if it's one song, just to be able to share what I want to say to people and if some people in that journey are connecting to it, that's amazing. And obviously I wouldn't say no to selling out Madison Square Garden. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. That would be amazing. As I said, I love performing. I guess having a career that's financially getting me by but also allowing me to play to as many people as possible. And, yeah, I guess, like, my pipe dream would be to just kill it over in the States as well and have a have a really long, beautiful career and be able to make the music I want to make. I guess that's sort of the dream, I think, for a lot of artists. Maybe somewhere along the line it will work out. If that's your wish, that's what I wish for you. So enjoy the rest of your time at South by and, and your time here in the States. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate you making time. I know it's hectic and hopefully you have somewhere to lay your head tonight. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to chat with people over here. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Paige Court in Maine. Thank you, Ann Taylor and the team at Light. And as always, thank you for listening to Spotlight On. Get and share all of our past episodes, write a review, even send us a message through our website, spotlightonpodcast.com. If you like what we're up to here, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Join us again next week. In the meantime, be safe and stay in touch. It's never gonna change, so I'm riding up the waves. Yeah, I'm trying to be braver.